When crisis occurs, questions arise, and it's always that way. Think back to September 11th. Think about Hurricane Katrina, and now certainly with COVID-19. And as we're in the midst of the coronavirus still, there's been a lot of question. You've probably seen them on the news. You've seen them on social media. Uh, You've asked them. You've talked about them with your family. Uh, And those questions are things like, where did this virus come from? What's really going on here? What's behind the scenes with this? Was it uh, a weaponized thing from, from another country? Uh, is this something that's a big government conspiracy? And so questions abound. And then there's the spiritual aspect of that, where people that even have just a basic level of spirituality are, are asking spiritual questions related to this time and COVID-19. And they're saying things like, is this a, an attack from Satan? You know, is this satanically energized? Uh, There's questions like, where is God in all this? What's he doing? Why is he allowing this? What's the purpose of all this? And I certainly understand those questions, and in many ways, those are good questions to ask. And we find ourselves, anytime there's a significant situation like this, especially when it's unexpected, we find ourselves searching for certainty. And we do that all the time, not just with crisis or catastrophe, really all through our life. We're searching for certainty, and that's true of saved and unsaved alike. Hopefully, though, as someone who is saved, uh, you know and you recall to your mind when those questions come up, oh, I I know where certainty is found. I I know the source of certainty. It's God. It's in my relationship with Christ. I I certainly hope that that has been something that you've gone back to uh, in these days. But the question is always going to be there, and that that hunger and that search is always going to be there, that search for certainty. And so today we're starting a series uh, to that effect where we're going to look at different people throughout history, throughout Scripture, uh, that were searching for certainty, just like all of us. And they wrestled as they searched with God's sovereignty over all the events and situations they found themselves in in life in a world that is anything but certain. Uh, Not just during COVID-19, we find a constant reality that our world and life as we know it is anything but certain, which is why it's all the more important for us to look to the only constant source of certainty, which is God. And as we start this new study, this new series, I can't think of a better person to start with than the person of Job and the book that bears his name. We're told in Scripture that Job was just an incredible person at that point in history. In fact, the Bible says that he was the greatest man of his generation and of the time. Uh, He was the most significant individual uh, alive uh, at the time of the the writing of his story and the time of history in which he lived. Uh, We're told that he was incredibly wealthy, He had more cattle and and more sheep and more camels and more land holdings, really, than anybody else. So he was very, very wealthy. Uh, He was a man that had a great family. He had 10 children. Uh, He basically had everything. He had it made. He was the man. But we're also told that very early on, things started spiraling out of control uh, in the account of Job. And, and there's significant loss that takes place. 
We also see that very early on uh, that there's something significant going on behind the scenes from Job's life. And with that, as we're given a glimpse of what's going on behind the scenes of Job's life, we find that we can gain some really important insight about the extent of Satan's involvement in our circumstances. I just said a minute ago that one of the biggest questions that are being asked right now is, is this all an attack from Satan? Is this all satanically energized and orchestrated? And we see some evidence of what Satan does and what's behind that and the extent of his involvement in our day-to-day life and in our circumstances. And the thing that we see, this insight that we're able to see, is that if Satan is at work behind an event that happens in our world, he's doing so with permission. He's doing so with permission from God. That's very, very important to see and to recognize and understand. And so if he's doing something, if he is allowed to be at work in a situation, in a circumstance, in the events surrounding our lives, he's doing so with God's permission, and nothing he does will destroy God's plans, will rob God of his power, or change his promises to us. And that's very, very good news, and it's very important to keep that in mind. And we're told in the beginning parts of Job's story and his account in Job chapter 1, as after it uh, reveals this picture of a man who really did have it all together, this wealthy individual with all these blessings and a, and a life full of children and the joy that that brings. He was a family man. Uh, we're given a glimpse into uh, what's going on behind all that, and the curtain is pulled back for us to see. And it's something that Job, as far as we know, never gets to see. He doesn't ever get to see the perspective of what was happening the whole time as he went through the trials that he did. Job 1, starting in verse 6, says this, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now that's referring to the angelic host, the angels. So one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. That's pretty significant, right? Satan was able to be counted among those, and he was able to be right there before the throne of God. Uh, we know throughout Scripture that that's the case, that he's able to uh, be there at the throne and, and that he takes that opportunity to accuse the brethren day and night. Uh, he's the great accuser of the brethren. He's referred to that in Revelation. So he's right there with the angels, right before God. Verse 7, the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. He still does the same today, by the way. A little side note, uh, that's why we're told in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be alert, to be on guard, because Satan prowls around like a roaring, ravenous lion looking for someone to devour. That's always what he, he does. That's what he's about. Uh, he's searching for someone that he can attack. He's searching for someone that he can discourage. He's looking for you, believer, to cast doubt into your heart. He's looking to devour your, your hope and your faith and, and the strength uh, that God gives you to keep trusting and keep 
holding on to him. He wants to devour that if you'll let him. And so that's why we are told in First Peter to be alert, to recognize we have a real enemy who is searching for weaknesses and moments of weakness in our lives. And so we've got to be on guard against that. Uh, as he did with Job, he does with us. Verse 8 of Job chapter 1 says this, Then the Lord said to Satan, Okay, so you've been walking around, you've been looking at humanity, you've been checking things out. Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So, Satan left the Lord's presence. And we're told in the account here of Job that as he left the Lord's presence, he must have gone to work pretty quickly on assaulting Job and all he had, uh, because the Scripture tells us that within one day, Job lost everything. Uh, Job's messengers and his servants are coming to him, and they say that, all of a sudden, um, his, his cattle have been completely ravaged, that there was a, a raiding party that came and, and took his cattle away, and then there was this, this fire that fell from heaven, and it burned up um, his, his sheep and the fields. And then there was another one, while those two people were, were reporting to Job, Another servant came and said, another uh, raiding party came and, and carried away the camels. And then there was another servant that came and said, all your children were feasting in, their eldest, uh, in, the, in the eldest brother's house, your oldest son's house. And, and a great wind came and it knocked down the house they were in and they're all dead. So, I mean, within a matter of, of minutes or at the most an hour all this stuff happened. I mean, Job lost everything, literally everything, all of his cattle and all of his sheep and all of his camels and his land all destroyed, all 10 of his children. Just think about it. All 10 gone in an instant. So certainly Satan took God up on the permission he granted to assault and persecute Job. He didn't waste much time. And then we're told, fast forward a little bit, we're told in chapter 2 that there's another accounting of the angels before God, and Satan comes with them just as he did before. So we're going to skip ahead to Job chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. One day the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? And just like before, the answer is from roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, 
a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil, he still retains his integrity even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan. He is in your power. Only spare his life. And we're told that Satan inflicted Job with painful boils and sores. It it could have been leprosy or some other horrible, painful skin disease. The scripture says that from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot, he was covered with these horrible, painful boils and sores, and that he even would take broken shards of pottery and scrape his skin to try to get some relief from it. It was just awful. But despite those things happening, despite the loss of all of his his possessions and his wealth, and despite even uh, worse than that, the loss of all ten of his children, despite all those horrible things happening, and as quickly as they did, listen to Job's amazing reaction and response both times, both in chapter 1 at the loss of all the the wealth and family and in chapter 2 with this physical affliction on Job personally. Job 1, 20 through 22. Then Job stood up. This is after all of his servants reported about the destruction of his possessions and wealth and the loss of his family. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head as a sign of grief and and being completely overwhelmed uh, with discouragement. But he didn't just do that. Look at what else he did. He fell to the ground and worshipped and worshipped. In the midst of hearing unimaginable news and being overcome now with, with just incredible anguish and instant depression, he chose instead through the pain, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the affliction, in the midst of having no idea why all this was happening to him, he chose to worship, saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Then with the physical affliction he himself was undergoing with the the sores and the boils and all that pain that was being inflicted on him from Satan's hand, Job 2, 9 through 10 says this, His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? After all this that's happened to you and to me, Job, really, are you still holding on to that faith in the goodness of God? Are you still holding out hope for him? Are you still trusting in him after all that he's allowed to happen in your life, in my life, in our life together? Job, you know what? I've had it. Just do this for me. Curse God and die. You, you know that if you curse God, you probably are going to die. He'll strike you dead for doing so. But won't that be a blessing? Won't that be merciful? Just go ahead and do it. Let's, let's just be over with all of this. I, I've had enough. You've had enough. Curse God and die. 
Here's Job's response. Verse 10, you speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. The reason he held on to his integrity, the reason he was able to, is because Job believed something very strongly. Job had a deep conviction that was an anchor for him throughout all that was coming his way, throughout all that happened, even though he didn't know why all that was happening, even though he didn't know the reasons for it. Job, as far as we know, never got the curtain pulled back for him the way we have for us as we read this account, as we look into this. We know that God was giving permission to Satan to to do these things and to allow these things to happen. Um, Satan was given permission to come at Job and to attack him and to afflict him. But remember, it was done with permission by God, and it was done with very specific stipulations. Satan may very well be able to cause certain things to happen, and he may very well have the ability to influence things and, and to intervene in circumstances according to his strategy. And, and we may see Satan kind of as a a puppeteer, you know, controlling marionettes, pulling strings. But we have to keep in mind, and we need to see as we see that, that Satan himself is on a very short leash, and he is, he is totally in submission to a sovereign God, and that will always be the case. It was the case for Job. It's the case for us no matter what we may see going on around us. And through all of that, Job's belief, what he absolutely knew to be true, is what we need to believe, what we need to have absolutely true in our lives, what we need to rely on and keep coming back to as an anchor during these times and during whatever else may come our way through life. And that's this. Bad circumstances don't change God's goodness. Bad circumstances in which we find ourselves through life, don't change, will never change God's goodness. That's always going to be the same. He's always going to be just as good as he's always been in the good times and the good circumstances as well as the bad times and the bad circumstances. We find ourselves in very unpleasant, unfortunate circumstances, undesirable circumstances. I mean, we're still in this quarantine after however many days it's been. We're still getting reports of an increase in coronavirus cases uh, throughout our country, throughout even our state, you know, in our area, our community. I mean, every day the numbers continue to climb. And we're all, I know, tired of being cooped up and quarantined. We're, We're tired of not having the routines of life the way we are used to having them. We're tired of not being able to meet together in worship, in church. But what we need to remember is that the bad circumstances that we find ourselves in now or in the future will not change God's goodness. That means, my friends, that God isn't good only when things in and around our life are going good. The way you know, we like or, or want them to be. That's not the only times that God is good. No, he's good all the time, period. He's good all the time. He is never anything other than completely 
perfectly good. That's what it means to be God. He's perfectly good, and that's it. It means that tough times, no matter what those times may be, whether that's COVID-19, whether that's the loss of a job, whether that's turmoil within a family, um, relationships struggling, tough times do not make God unworthy of our trust and love or our worship and service. They don't make him unworthy of those things. He is always worthy of our trust and our love and our hope and always worthy of our worship and our service. And the other thing that we need to remember as we think along those lines is that salvation is not a get-out-of-bad card. Salvation is not a get-out-of-bad card. There's an entire philosophy and, and very poor theology uh, that's always been around and always been popular, and it's the same for our day, that says, once you become a Christian, everything is just easy and good, and it's you know just a bed of roses, and everything is just comfortable and convenient for you. That's what happens when you become a Christian, that, that God suddenly just puts this perfect little bubble around you, you know, and that everything will be good for you because now you have the the power of God resting on you. You know, now you're you're a child of the King, and and so no bad thing can come your way. Just believe that, and and speak to and speak over whatever circumstances come your way, and and claim the victory and the easy living that is yours through Christ. He doesn't want you to ever suffer. He doesn't want you to ever go through a, a difficult circumstance. No, that's always the enemy. God will never use bad things in the life of his loved ones, in the life of his children. No, that, that'll never happen. That is an absolutely ludicrous, foolish wrong, dangerous philosophy to have. Salvation was never promised or ever meant to be a a get-out-of-bad card. That's not what it means to be saved. That's not the purpose of our Christianity. What we need to remember and recognize throughout our lives, and we see it reinforced all through Scripture, is that God works in the bad to bring about our good as he defines good. Not according to what we see as being good, but God will work in the bad to bring about our good as he defines good. He uses the hard times to highlight his glory, his goodness and his constant care for us. No circumstances that come our way, not COVID-19 or any other crisis, can change who God is or how he is, nor can it change who we are and what we have in and through Jesus. That's very important to remember. That's what Job believed to be true. Even after losing all of his his wealth and his possessions, and even after undergoing tremendous physical pain and suffering himself, the reason why he 
fell down to the ground and worshiped and said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The reason he told his wife, no, don't say such things. That's foolish. How, how can we rightly expect to only receive good from God and never any adversity, never any hard times? That doesn't make any sense. See, Job's theology was right. He recognized and he believed that tough times don't change God's goodness. Tough times don't make God suddenly unworthy to be trusted or worshipped or loved or served. He recognized that God does work in the bad to bring about our good as he defines goodness, as he knows good to be. And he works for our ultimate good and for his glory. And by the way, our ultimate good in life will always be tied to God being glorified. It'll never be any way other than that. And nothing that we find ourselves in, no catastrophe or crisis, can change who God is or how he is. And it cannot change who we are and all that is true of us, all of the reality that is ours in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes about that and provides uh, a tremendous source of encouragement for us uh, throughout life that we need to keep coming back to, and especially in these days. And that's found in Romans 8. In verse 28, the Apostle Paul says this, We know that all things, not just good things, that includes bad things, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And then he says in verses 38 and 39, for I am persuaded, that's absolutely assured, completely convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the confidence that we all can and should have if we're in Jesus Christ. That's the promise that will never be altered or affected, no matter what comes our way. Whether it's COVID-19 or another pandemic after it, whether it's uh, a loss of, of a job that we've depended on and a loss of um, lifestyle that comes with that, whether it's a relationship going south or not getting what we thought we were going to get or hoped we would get, whether it's a change in our routine or in our everyday life that we didn't see coming, we didn't want to come, no matter what comes our way in life, even if it's something that Satan was allowed to bring about, no matter what discouragement we might feel, no matter what doubts we might feel, no matter what our emotions tell us, and no matter how things seem to us, if you are in Christ Jesus, all that Paul wrote about, all that he was convinced of, all that Job was convinced of, you can be convinced of too. And it's true for you as well. That's our reality today my friend, my fellow brother and sister in Christ, all the promises of God that we just heard and just read together and all the other promises that are all through his word, they're your promises too. 
And that's where our hope comes from. That's where our strength comes from. That's where our confidence comes from. Our confidence doesn't come from a cure to coronavirus. Our confidence doesn't come from bad circumstances suddenly becoming good again. No, our confidence has to be tied to who God is, to his character. That's always what's at stake. That's always really what the question comes back to. Who do we believe God to be? How do we see him? Do we believe him to be the constant and perfect sovereign over all the universe, over all of the events of life that we find ourselves in in every aspect of our lives? Do we see him as only good all the time, constantly perfectly good no matter what? Or do we not? That's always what's at stake, and that's always the question. And we're going to continue to look at Job next week, and we're going to continue to to see things from his life, and we're going to continue to um, have some of those questions really answered for us uh, about uh, what could be going on in these times. I mean, I'm not going to promise you that the answers are completely spelled out because they're not. Uh, Job never really completely had all of his questions answered. But we're going to see a lot about God and his character through the ordeal that Job found himself in as he was searching for certainty in the midst of of all of the circumstances of his life that took away the certainty that he had in many aspects, the certainty of, of possession and wealth, the certainty of family, all that was gone. And Job really does wrestle with that. And it's in no thanks to his friends and counselors, as we're going to see next week, Uh, It doesn't mean that we won't wrestle with that too, and it doesn't mean that there's not hard questions that may not have really obvious and clear answers, but we're going to see as Job continues on with his uncertainty and his unpleasant circumstance that God is always the same, that God is always good, that he's always working things out according to his purpose, he's always sovereign, and hopefully uh, that will be a source of great encouragement to you as you keep clinging to the certainty that is found in God alone. Let me pray for you, and I'll I'll pray that uh, God takes what we have heard this morning and, and just keeps it fresh in your hearts and minds as you go through the week, as we continue on in this situation that we find ourselves in. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Job's uh, example of trust in you. I thank you for his example of choosing to still worship you, even in the tough circumstance. May that be our choice too. May that be um, what is found in our heart, and may that be uh, what is on our lips uh, that we say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is still good. He's still God. He's still the perfect, good sovereign that I've always seen, seen him to be. Um, when it's easy to see you that way, Father, when things are good, um, May, may that carry over into the difficult days and the difficult circumstances. May we say the same. May we respond to you in the same way. Thank you for Job uh, standing firm and standing strong as these things happen to him. We know that he, he does question you. We know that he does wrestle uh, with your sovereignty and with your character. Um, and I pray that as we see that, that we will... Um, take some encouragement as we too may be wrestling, that uh, that's human. You understand that. 
and you'll bring us through that as well, just like you did, Job. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. We commit ourselves to you, uh, not just this day, but moment by moment through the days to come. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.